remember how I start the podcast. A long, long time ago. <laughs> it was the year of our Lord, 1989. I was uh, going into sophomore year of college, attending the great University of Fredonia State, SUNY School, out of Fredonia, New York. You guys all know it. You've heard of it. It's the greatest school. <laughs> the uh, the Buffalo Bills used to have their uh, preseason camp there. Their, their training camp was in Fredonia. And then they realized it would probably be better to have it in a place that, where there's more people. And they moved it to St. John Fisher in Rochester, New York. Rochester a much bigger community than Fredonia. St. John Fisher, Fisher also had a football team. Fredonia never had a football team. <laughs> the big sport at Fredonia was basketball, and we weren't even really that good. We're D3, no scholarships. So every you know everybody who played sports was because they loved playing sports. Not necessarily, I mean, I'm not saying they suck balls, but I'm just saying they probably weren't good enough to go to like a D2 or D1 school. So they were stuck playing D3. They're trying to live out their dreams, man. They're done with high school and they're like, ah, fuck, I can't give this up. I need to fucking continue to wear jock straps for four more years. So whatever. The one guy who played basketball at Fredonia when I was there is relatively famous, but not famous for playing basketball. Of course, he played at basketball at Fredonia State. Pete Corielli, who, if you don't know who that name is, relatively uh, well-known comedian. Does uh, he he was doing? I don't know if he still does. He did a podcast with Sebastian Mani Maniscalco. Is that how you say Sebastian's last name? I don't even really know. I find Pete funny. I don't find Sebastian funny. But Sebastian's the one who's m much more uh, well known and accomplished and everything else. I I just don't understand shit. The guys who just suck balls are the ones who seemingly become more successful. I mean, the, clearly there's the exceptions to the rules, but when I look at like the bigger name comedians out there, I'm like, ugh, weak, <laughs> weak. But anyway, I'm not here to talk about Fernione State as much as I love it. <laughs> I was, uh, like I said, going to be a sophomore in college and there were a group of us from high school that we still kind of hung out with and did things with. And there was one guy within our group. His name was Chris. I won't give out last names. There's, there's no need to slam these people. <laughs> but Chris, uh, Chris kind of became aloof and, and distant and non-responsive. He was going to the great university, and by great, I mean, I I've had never heard of this school either. Gannon University in Erie, Pennsylvania. Now, I have zero idea why he chose to go to Gannon University in Erie, Pennsylvania, a private school, so he sure as fuck 
paid a hell of a lot more money. I don't even know what it was well known for. And I honestly can't even remember what the fuck Chris went to school for. Uh, and a lot of it had to do with the fact because once he went to school there, he joined a fraternity. And then it immediately became about everything in college and the fraternity and everything else. And uh, so I don't, I don't want to say we lost him, but we kind of lost him. I don't think I really ever saw Chris after a freshman year of, of college. He just kind of disappeared into the ether like people will do. People kind of come and go. And he came and then he went. And it's a bummer because I always enjoyed Chris. I always liked him. I thought he was funny. We played a lot of fucking basketball together. But so uh, we at the time, I was just kind of miffed about it. I was like, what the fuck's going on? This is some horse shit. So my buddy Chad and I decided to, that we were going to do a prank. We were going to play a prank on Chris. Now I remind all of you, this is 1989. So this is really pre-internet, pre-emails, like uh, all that kind of shit. So what we did, me and my buddy Chad, we decided we're going to go down to Erie, Pennsylvania. We're going to get stationary from the University of Pennsylvania, or Gannon University, I mean. And we are going to forge a letter from the university. So we're going to steal, like I said, stationery with the letterhead and all of Gannon University on it. And then we're going to bring it back. And, and Chad worked at a, a lumber yard. I don't mean to brag, but he worked at a lumber yard. And he, he worked in there... I don't, he worked in the department where he was he was dealing with like computers and the access to printers and all that shit. So it was his idea of like, oh, we can steal this thing. And then we can go back and then I can use my work computer and then I can print out a letter. Like Chad and I had made a letter. We we talked about I can't remember exactly, but we we, we talked about the uh, the fraternity and we talked about how Things he did within the you uh, within the fraternity <laughs> were go were putting him at risk of being removed from the school, something of that nature. He was going to get in trouble. <laughs> so we go down there and we're just kind of walking around the campus. It's not a huge campus. We don't really know what the fuck we're doing. Again, we're fucking nineteen years old. We're dumb as shit. We don't know fuck from fuck. It's probably, at the time, the farthest I had ever driven away from home was probably like about two hours. You know, Erie, Pennsylvania is not super far away from Buffalo. But we drove down there, we went in, and we found like the admissions department. We're just talking to uh, one of the administrative ladies there. And then we get her to go do something, and then we found some paper. <laughs> and then we just, when her back was turned, we stole the paper. And so then we think we're all slick. We're all slick as fuck. <laughs> and then we just drive home and Chad takes it to his office and uh, he gets everything typed up and then we, we mail it out. 
And then we never heard anything from anything. <laughs> we don't know if Chris ever got the letter. We don't know if he immediately was like, this is bullshit and threw it away. I mean, we never heard we never heard that we were successful in it. We never heard that it was a complete failure. We never heard nothing. I just find it like a weird story that we were trying to do, trying to play this weird prank on a guy because we were pissed off that he was kind of being a cocksucker. And I suppose I should always recognize that he was a bit of a cocksucker even back in high school, but never saw him again. No idea what's going on with him. Don't know if he's on uh, Facebook or Twitter or social media. Nothing. Don't know anything where he's at. He had a, he had a younger sister and a younger brother. Don't know anything about them neither. I'm not even really sure what's going on with Chad. Chad, uh, boy, Chad got into some trouble. <laughs> and uh, he had to go away for a while, if you guys know what I'm talking about. He spent some, he spent some time uh, in, a, in a facility that was on the state's dime, if you guys know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about he went to prison. Jesus Christ. Do I got to fucking lay everything out of there for you guys? <laughs> Chad spent some time in prison. He got himself into a little bit of trouble. How funny would it have been if it was like for forgery? <laughs> Chad got a taste of forging shit. And so then he started becoming a counterfeiter. I would have accepted that. I would have been, oh, all right, at least he was trying to do something cool. What Chad did was not cool. I've I've mentioned it before on this podcast. I'm not going to mention it now, but always disappointing. And so now I don't even know where Chad is. I don't even know where the fuck he is. You just again, people kind of come and go in your life. They they come and they go. They come and they go. But uh, hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. How was your day? How was your day? Hopefully it was a good day because today is Monday. I had to remind myself that today was Monday. It's Monday, September 5th, 2020. It's Labor Day. And that's part of the reason I had to remind myself that it's fucking Labor Day. Because I, while I didn't work yesterday, I did work Saturday. So today kind of feels like Sunday for me. because, And I really wanted to work. Excuse me, I really wanted to work today, but the boss didn't have anything for me to do, so I can't just make myself work, right? So uh, I had the day off, didn't do a shit ton. Uh, I went and I delivered, I gave away a Detroit Lions figurine made from bare boards and tables. Uh, a local guy won it out in Grayville, so I just delivered it to his house as opposed to mailing it so i did do that sat around going through some cards i didn't do shit i it's not like i didn't enjoy my labor day but man i i'd just rather been working i'd rather been working you know it's the hacky joke of like man it's it's so ironic that we're all working on labor day i'm like i I don't stop being stupid is essentially what I want to say. Stop being stupid. Of course, of course, people are working on Labor Day. People work every fucking day. There are people who work Thanksgiving and Christmas and whatever. You just work. Things don't stop. And fuck, there's some factories that are working 24 7, 365, right? They never shut down. They got to keep pumping out widgets and gidgets and things of that nature that for us to fucking survive. 
if you didn't make that shit, we wouldn't fucking survive. So whatever. So, but hopefully you, uh, if you had the day off, hopefully enjoy it. Hopefully, uh, if you if you worked, hopefully it was an easy day. Hopefully it was an easy day. So, uh, oh, I got some good news before I forget. Good news, good news. I got a message yesterday from uh, this, the guy Max who who wrote and directed that short film I starred in last. Well, actually, it was like a year and a half ago now. We did it during the pandemic. We really had to make sure everybody was getting vaccinated and everybody was wearing masks and, and we were all trying to stay away from each other, all that shit. And every once in a while, we had to shut down because somebody got the Rona or whatever, and we just shut her down. So, But uh, the, the film was all done and said, and you know I, I got to watch it in its entirety, and I really enjoyed it. And he was shopping it around to festivals. And it got uh, it got accepted to a couple festivals, a couple bigger ones, I, I believe. Uh, there was the Austin Comedy Festival down there in uh, Austin, Texas. Uh, Comedy Film Festival, I guess I should rectify that because Austin does have a, a comedy festival as well, stand-up comedy festival. But the Austin Comedy Film Festival... And the uh, Portland, Oregon uh, Comedy Film Festival. It got accepted to both of those. Both very exciting. He was very geeked, and I'm very geeked for him. Uh, hopefully, the, the film does very well. It would be nice to see it. More, more for him than for me. He's a young man with, with uh, aspirations and goals, and he's, he's full of love for life. Where I, on the other hand, am an old fucking man who's given up. <laughs> So hopefully uh, it does well and it can lead to bigger and better things for him. Now, if it can, if it can lead to bigger and better things for me too, fan-fucking-tastic. But I am more concerned and, and hopeful for him than for myself. Now, I've had people ask me when it will become available to, to be watched, to be viewed. And I will, uh, I will let people know when that happens. It's not my baby. So I don't have control over, over it. And I knew that he was wanting this to be... Uh, apparently, you can't have this shown anywhere if you're looking to get it into film festivals. Film festivals like to have... It's like their own thing. So then it can be like, quote-unquote, it was discovered at this film festival. Or, what you know, whatever dumb shit. Like, Saugatuck has a film festival. Saugatuck is a town a little south of Grand Rapids little uh, tourist town on the lake and they got a film festival and I'm sure it's the same thing with them too so but uh, I jokingly said all right when do you need me there or whatever and he was like oh well they don't provide for lodging and uh, transportation all that shit and I was like in my brain I'm like going yeah I know I've done comedy festivals I'm sure it's very fucking similar of like these festivals just uh, want things to come in that will provide entertainment to people and they don't, no one is fucking getting paid. Everybody's getting paid except for uh, the people who produce the actual entertainment. <laughs> the venues get paid. Uh, the people who work for the festivals are getting paid. I, in all the festivals that I ever did, I never got paid. For any any of the shit that I ever did, I never got paid. Now, one festival, uh, the Trial by Laughter Festival, that was the only one where 
good things came from it where I actually got to work uh, the comedy club where the festival happened. Like, they thought I was good enough. They were like, hey, we want you to actually come back and work the room, Morty's, down in Indianapolis. That's the only one. Every other festival I've ever done has just led to, hey, come back again. Like, no, I really enjoyed uh, the Laughing Skull Festival in Atlanta. I did it twice, two years in a row. But it never... It never led to anything else other than me just doing the festival again. And I've always been like, shit needs to lead to something else. And if shit's not going to lead to something else, you shouldn't fucking do it. Particularly, again, because you got to pay to submit. And then you got to pay to get down there. And then you got to pay to stay there. And you got to pay to eat and whatever else. You got to survive. And so that's a lot of it was you always tried to share lodging and you're eating fucking out of your car and whatever it just sucks it it is truly uh the the starving artist and uh not a fan of it anymore not a fan if you continue to do it if you are a comedian or you're doing anything where you have to submit to shit and then you you're going and doing shit for free have at it man keep doing it keep doing it until you can no longer afford to do it or till you are not finding joy in it anymore, keep fucking doing it. That will be my advice to you. Keep fucking doing it. Uh, so hopefully you guys realize, and I know the longtime listeners, oh, if, you're, if you are brand new to this podcast, thanks for listening. It's the Elemental Podcast. Uh, I'm introducing myself 18 minutes into this stupid fucking thing. But uh, I am Stu McAllister. I am your host, uh, I used to be a social worker for a living. I used to do comedy for a living. And now I'm just making a whole lot of mistakes. That's that's my life. Uh, but hopefully uh, you guys all understand that a good majority of the shit that I do is all done in jest. It's jokes. It's meant to be funny. Everything, even if it's a serious post, if I ever post anything on social media and it's serious, even that should be taken with a grain of salt. <laughs> And I say that because today, today, I had a post on uh, on the Twitter, which is my favorite social media platform. And I am understanding that it's probably the least favorite social media platform. It is still my favorite because it's just the written word. I like the written word better than pictures and video and whatever, but I, I understand it. I'm a, I'm a dying breed. I'm a dinosaur. I get it. Okay. But I had a post about how I said I'm angry all the time. And I'm, I'm tired of being angry all the time. And I said, hey, you happy people, what do you do to stay happy? Uh, and then, you know, the last thing was part, I said, hey, d don't give me any of that hippy-dippy shit. Uh, I don't have time for that garbage. And so <laughs> that's the joke of, like, I'm an angry man and I'm asking for advice, but don't, don't give me the advice that you have because I'll view it as hippy-dippy, Right? I'm an angry man asking how I cannot be angry anymore, and then I continue to be angry. And so that's kind of the joke. But people responded to it in a way that I was not expecting, and I suppose I should have, but I'm not bright enough to realize this is how things will be interpreted. People were actually, they didn't see the joke for what it was, and they were really offering me real suggestions of... Uh, there are different forms of therapy and medication and breathing exercises in eating right and exercising 
and getting enough sleep. And then you had other people who were like booze and weed and, you know, that kind of shit. And I just found it very funny. And I, I tr as far as I can tell, I responded back to everybody. Hopefully in a, uh, they could see it as a funny way. But I find it funny when some of my posts that aren't meant to get as much reaction or response uh, as some of the others get what they get, and that was one of them. So if you were uh, if you were a new listener and you responded to me in any kind of way like that, uh, thank you for because I also did want to respond to them when they were all telling me that they were uh, you know therapy or whatever this or that journaling and all that stuff. I wanted to respond to them. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm aware. I'm a. I was a therapist, a clinical therapist for 25 years. Uh, I'm understanding, and this tweet was meant to be seen as a joke, and clearly, uh, you guys did not see it for what it was. <laughs> but whatever, whatever, man. I, you know, that's that's the thing that I tell comedians too. You are not responsible for how people interpret your joke. People will often interpret your joke as like you're trying to attack somebody or something. And I'm always like, what? Like, I'll always remember when I told the joke, I said, uh, to deaf people, all farts are silent but deadly. Now, uh, to me, I find that to be, it's, it's well, first off, it's true because deaf people can't hear farts. And then when they smell a fart, they're like, oh, yeah, that's silent but deadly because everything is silent to them. And that's a deadly fart. So it's just kind of like, it's a truism. And it's just kind of funny. Uh, and it's really, for me, it was just like a throwaway joke that I knew it always worked. It always worked, everybody. I would tell it on stage, and it would work, and we'd get a laugh, and we'd move on. It was just you know, kind of like a bridge joke to other things. But uh, when I posted it on social media, this woman accused me of being an ableist. And at the time, I had to look that up. I'm like, what the fuck is an ableist? And an ableist is someone who apparently is making fun of someone for their disability and I was like wow um, I never in a million years would have thought anyone would have come to that conclusion that I was making fun of a deaf person for being deaf and I'm like well I don't think I am making fun of a deaf person uh, I'm, I'm saying that deaf people can't hear they can't hear farts and that was the thing, too, when uh, I'd read a story or saw like a YouTube thing and it was like a deaf instructor who wasn't deaf was trying to explain to kids that when they farted that it actually emitted a noise. Like the ki kids didn't realize that there was a noise. Like they realized that uh, gas is coming out of their ass and their ass is flapping around and uh, sometimes there's a smell. But they did not realize that there was also a sound that people could hear. And they were, um, the kids were like flabbergasted about it. Like they had no fucking clue. So there really is, um, on my end, the, the, clearly there was no making fun of deaf people for that joke. But uh, this, this, this woman took it as that. And it, it was very weird because she kept trying to like attack me. She like would block me on social media. But then she just kept talking about it, and she was saying, like, that I needed to be canceled or whatever, this or that. And I'm like, I don't even, who are you, and why are you talking like this? It was very, very weird, and uh, clearly when I looked through her social media, I'm like, oh, you're a lunatic. It's just all of her posts were very, like, 
attention-seeking and kind of woe is me. Just a very uh, confused and troubled, I'm assuming, young woman, but who the fuck knows. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you really have no idea what, uh, what people's intentions are or how they're going to perceive things. So, so today I did also spend the day, a good portion of the day reading that, that, uh, that Buffalo Bills book, Go Bills, by Joe Marino of the uh, Locked On Bills podcast fame. Now, yesterday, yesterday, I did a Buffalo Bills podcast. I think I've done at least three now, possibly four Bills podcasts, and I made yesterday's free. Now, Sunday's normally a day where I would make it a Patreon, but I'm like, ah, if I'm going to do these Buffalo Bills podcasts, uh, I'd like to make it available to more people. Because I'm understanding way more people listen to the freebie than the Patreon. Like, I literally have, I think, three people who listen to the Patreon and six people listen to the freebie. So, you know, that's like 100% more, right? So why wouldn't I do it? So uh, if you guys haven't listened and you're interested, uh, if you're a football fan, uh, go give it a listen. It was the podcast from yesterday. It's on all of your podcast platforms, I think. I don't know, whatever. Go give it a listen. The game's on Thursday. I'm all excited for it. So I got this book. It showed up, uh, I think, on Thursday, and I just started reading. Now, I don't want to call it a picture book, but there are a, uh, there are a lot of pictures in it. And Joe just goes over the history of the Bills from their inception through today. So uh, I'm really enjoying it. I mean, there were clearly were a lot of shit years. The Buffalo had some very good years, you know, when they won the, or won the Super Bowl, when they went to the Super Bowl four years in a row. You know, there was probably a good eight years right there where they were in the playoffs and they were doing really well. They were winning a lot of games. But prior to that, shit. They won the AFL championships like two years in a row in the late 60s. But then pretty much the entirety of the 70s and early 80s was shit. They talk about O.J. Simpson for as good as O.J. Simpson was when he played for the Bills. They only went to one playoff game that they lost. <laughs> this dude who was probably uh, arguably top five running back of all time went to one playoff game in his entire career. Just pretty sad. If he had gone to maybe more and maybe won one, maybe he wouldn't have murdered those people. I mean, right? Am I right? Am I right? I'm, I'm pretty right. So, uh, But go listen to the podcast. Go buy the book Go Bills by Joe Marino. Secondly, uh, Go Bills, Photographs and History of the Buffalo Bills is what it's called. So you can probably find it on Amazon or some shit if you, if you give a fuck. If you give a fuck. All right. 27 minutes in. I haven't said a goddamn thing. All right. I'm probably going to make this one shorter, everybody, just because uh, I really got to take a piss. And I'd like to not have a piss sponsored by uh, Matt Harper Art. Uh, I am giving away uh, a Buffalo Bills gnome created by Matt Harper Art over on my Twitter. So at Stu McAllister. So if you're interested in it, it's very, very cool. And he's gotten a lot of good responses and a lot of people who uh, I think will eventually end up purchasing something from Matt. So that's great. So uh, go check out my uh, Twitter, at Stu McAllister. All right, how about that? Now, now we're done with that. 
I always like to do updates, so this is an update. Da, 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 update! Uh, several months ago, I don't know, maybe even a year ago. I don't know if it was that long ago or not. But the, uh, the, the guy who uh, was the baby on the cover of the Nirvana Nevermind album, you guys all have seen it, pretty iconic. The naked baby in a pool, uh, kind of chasing a dollar bill on a fish hook. You've seen it, you know it. Um, you know, it is what it is. Baby's buck naked, though, right? Baby's just buck naked. But we've all seen pictures of babies naked. Who gives a shit, right? Well, apparently, the guy, uh, he grew up and he uh, grew up to be an asshole, I guess. His name's Spencer Eldon. And he was suing the band for a child pornography. Child pornography. Um, he feels that he was victimized by the picture that everybody has now seen as Wing Wang, and uh, it's made his life rough. <laughs> and I'm like going, listen, asshole, nobody would know that it was you if it wasn't for you coming out and going, hey, that was me. Uh, and I've been victimized. And uh, basically, the, the dude just looks like a fucking asshole, right? He's just out trying to profit off of something. Like, I believe his parents were, they were paid for the picture. And again, it's one of these things of it's an anonymity. It's just a baby. Babies all look the fucking same to me. But uh, the, the decision came down and said, hey, uh, Spencer Eldon, go fuck yourself. Uh, this does not constitute itself as child pornography. On Friday, California U.S. District Judge Fernando M. Algwin dismissed Eldon's case with prejudice, arguing that the lawsuit was filed beyond the 10-year statute of limitations. So, I mean, he's, okay, so he's arguing from that perspective. But I also would argue, like, go fuck yourself me that's if i was the judge that's what i would say you lose because go fuck yourself <laughs> oh okay i understand that what year of law school did you guys talk about go fuck yourself that's what i want to know uh eldon plans to appeal his attorney said in a statement uh, spencer's victimization as a child remains frozen in time his childhood self continues to be invaded and he will be repeatedly victimized as long as the Nevermind cover continues to be distributed. The ongoing distribution of Spencer's child pornography on the Nevermind album cover repeatedly violates the, the baby depicted on the cover, even though he is now all grown up. And again, he would not even have known that was him. If nobody told him, hey, that's you on the cover of the album, he wouldn't have fucking known. You don't know what you look like as a baby. You don't remember what you look like as a baby. Like, ah, it's just a baby. It's just a baby. It's just a baby. Maybe the dingo ate your baby. Maybe that's what should have happened. A dingo should have ate fucking Spencer. And we wouldn't be dealing with this dumb bullshit. This dumb fucking bullshit. The attorney added the Nevermind cover was created at a time when Spencer was a baby. And it is impossible for him to age out of this victimization while his image remains in distribution. His parents didn't seem to give a fuck. I mean, they were the ones who sold sold them the rights to the picture. I just, yeah, 
I'm like, you're, you're an asshole, man. You're an asshole. And, and you decided that you needed to let people know you're an asshole. It's weird when people do that. I'm going to give you a, a clearly much smaller example. There was a, a comedian a long time ago who, um, he stole a Bill Hicks act a bit. Uh, Bill Hicks, very, very famous comedian in the comedy world. And this guy was doing a Bill Hicks act like word for word and a uh, new guy and uh he he just we everyone all the comedians in the crowd were just kind of stunned because we all knew the bit as i said bill hicks relatively well known in the comedy world and so guys just knew his bits and we all like recognized the fact that this guy was doing a bill hicks bit right and i was going to tell the guy because he was still new i was going to tell the guy i was like hey man um, I know you're new and all, but you can't do other people's bits. You gotta do your own bits, right? Now I'm not gonna say that you're a thief because that's eventually what's gonna happen. I'm just going to assume that you're new and you didn't know any better. No harm, no foul, right? So I'm gonna tell the dude after the show is over. But the dude does his bit. He does his act, and then it's over. And then he like leaves. He leaves the venue, and I don't have an opportunity to tell him. So I am Facebook friends with the dude. So I just message him and I go, hey man, um, just so you know, you can't do that. And then this dude just went off on like a weird diatribe. And uh, he, he then, he was telling me weird things. Like he, he bought this story from like a homeless dude. It was all very weird. And I was like, at first he was in complete denial about it. And I was like, no man, you can't, you can't deny what you did. Right, we all fucking know. Everybody in that room fucking knew what you did. So we were all we're all in this group. It's called a Michigan Comics Network. It still exists, but I left it because it just became a place of toxic horseshit. But it was meant at the time. It was meant for guys to kind of share information about shows and open mics and bookers and information about stuff, whatever. So you know, I posted in there. I was like, hey guys, if you're new. Just so you guys know, you need to do your own material. Um, you can't do famous comedians' acts. You really you shouldn't be doing anybody's jokes. It's got to be your joke. Uh, it's better to write shitty jokes that are yours than do great jokes that aren't yours, right? I didn't name names. I didn't fucking, because it doesn't fucking matter, because it's just, it's knowledge for everybody, right? And, you know, a lot of people are commenting on it. And then eventually the dude comments on it. And he, he outs himself. He outs himself. Oh, he's talking about me. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, uh, hey, man, you, you did this to yourself. And because then it came and everybody was just roasting the fuck out of this guy. Um, and it eventually turned into rightfully so. The guy was a bit of a piece of shit. Um, not a funny dude. Always fairly argumentative. Uh, apparently seemingly had mental health issues, seemingly had substance abuse issues, which a lot of shitbags, they struggle with that stuff, and that's probably why they're shitbags, because they're dealing with shit, and they're trying to work it out on stage. And I, a lot of comics will go, for me, comedy is therapy. I can get on stage and I can do shit. And I'm like, well, you're supposed to get on stage and be funny and not talk about dumb shit. And that's usually what people who like trying to use comedy as therapy are doing. They're saying dumb shit. So there we go. People do dumb things. They say dumb things. 
And even though I'm trying to like not out them, they eventually out themselves. There's been several instances like that. And I'm like, hey, I'm not outing you, man. Just read the story and be thankful that I, I didn't fucking out you. And let's move along. All right, I'm going to end on this, everybody. I'm going to end on this. Do, do, do. I went to Japan many, many years ago. I went to Japan in the summer of 97, fall of 97. I was there for like two weeks. I was visiting my buddy Tom. My buddy Tom. Tom was the guy I went to college with. I was best man at his wedding. And uh, Tom was living there. He was teaching English as a second language. And he'd been over there a couple of years. And he became proficient in Japanese. Right? And uh, he and his wife were living out there. And God, was his... I cannot remember if his wife was pregnant or if they already had their first kid or whatever. But I went out there, graduated grad school, and I didn't have shit going on. I hadn't been hired yet or anything by anybody. I'm like, well, hey, now's a good time to take a fucking two-week vacation to a country where I don't speak the native language. <laughs> and I went out there, and like I said, I was out there for like 10, 10 plus days, between 10, 10 days and 14 days. And uh, it was great. Loved it. It was a great experience. Uh, it was incredibly helpful that I was with Tom, who knew the language and, and was aware of shit. And um, it was fantastic. I would encourage everybody to go. I would go back in a heartbeat if I could. And it's still, even though they don't, uh, you know, English is not their native language, most people know how to speak a little bit of English. Like, a lot of people can get by, or you're going to be able to find someone who can help you out. It's great. I would, everybody should go. But I saw a lot of weird things when I was there. And one of the weird things that I saw were they got weird vending machines. And the vending machines, like one was, the first one that I saw, the vending machine had alcohol in it, right? And this is a vending machine like a Coke machine or you're getting snacks or whatever, right? But it's all beer and it's like big cans of beer, like almost like liters of beer. You know, I'm like, what the fuck? It was just very weird, but I and I think they had laws concerning like you had to be X amount of years old to, to drink it. But I guess everybody would just kind of work on like the honor system of like, okay, yeah, kids aren't going to use this because they know they're not supposed to. <laughs> <I'm> like really? <laughs> okay, so it's weird. And then there was another machine that was almost just like it wasn't completely, but there was machines that had like pornography in it, and panties in it like panties not like oh a woman like forgot to buy her panties uh or forgot to bring panties to work when she got changed in the morning she just didn't have oh my god i forgot my panties oh thank god for this vending machine it was for like weird pervs to they now have women's panties it was just it was very odd some of the, like the morality issues in japan were just a little different just a little little different well, the reason I'm bringing it up right now, fast forward uh, your 25 years or so, uh, the, the Japanese government is now encouraging the youth to get drunk. <laughs> They're wanting young children, well, not children, young adults to drink more. They have launched a campaign to lure more young people into buying booze so the debt-ridden country can reap tax revenue from liquor sales. 
The Saki Viva campaign, created by the country's tax agency, seeks business proposals from young people or groups with ideas on how to revitalize the nation's booze industry. You're like, what? So they're targeting young people to drink more. And I'm like going, you don't need to do that here in America. Fucking kids are fucking drinking at like 16 years of age or younger. And they're just getting shit-faced until probably like about 30. And then they finally realize like, oh, fuck, I got to get my life together. And they kind of stop drinking. They get married, have kids, whatever. And then it starts all over again with their kids. Their kids get shit-faced at 13, 14, all over. The campaign has faced fierce criticism online, but a number of quirky proposals have, have come in. One pitch included famous actresses performing as virtual bar workers in completely digital clubs. The campaign comes as tax revenue from alcohol sales in Japan has dried out in recent years, potentially caused by an aging population and shifting tastes among young people. So what are young people doing? They're not going to bars? I mean, I... I understand that a lot of countries, like for religious purpose, like Muslim people, they don't drink booze, right? Like I, so I understand that Mormons don't drink booze. So probably in, in BY or BYU and Salt Lake City or other places in Utah where there's a shit ton of Mormons, it might be harder for fucking bars to exist and, and thrive. In 1995, in 1990, well, that's actually two years before I was there. An average person drank about 22 gallons of alcohol per year in the country. According to the BBC, in 2020, a Japanese person drank about 16 gallons a year. So it's uh, six gallons less a year. They want people to get shit-faced. I wonder why that is, though. Do you think it's like they're actually seeing it as like a health thing? Or do you think it's uh, it legitimately is just taste of like, these kids are drinking more soft drinks or tea or uh, maybe they're just, maybe they're all vaping. Maybe vaping's the thing in Japan. Maybe they're all fucking smoking weed. I'm, I'm not seeing weed as being a thing in Japan though. I don't know if weed is legal in Japan. I see that as being more of a problem for them. Like they see it as being an issue. I could be wrong. But hey, if you want to go to Japan and get drunk, they highly want you to go do it. Help them with their tax issues. Can you only imagine if that became an issue here in America? Drink more Budweiser. Get fucked up on Miller Lite. <laughs> we need your money. Get hammered. All right. I'm just being patriotic. Buying a case a day. Being patriotic. I'm a real fucking American. <laughs> All right, everybody. That's it. Thanks for listening to this horse shit. It's free. This one was free. A lot of them are free. Yesterday was free. Sundays aren't normally free, but yesterday was free. Today was free. Thursday will be free. I do a Patreon, though. That's a uh, paywall where uh, people pay me to podcast. Not a lot of people, but some people. I podcast pretty much every day of the week. And so other than Mondays and Thursdays, it's on the Patreon behind the paywall. It's just five bucks a month, everybody. So you're getting, I don't know, uh, 22 podcasts, extra podcasts a month for five bucks. Comes out to less than 50 cents a podcast. Is it worth your while? I don't know. It's up to you to decide. I don't fucking make that conclusion. But some people do it, and I am very thankful for it. 
So if you want to give it a shot, give it a try. It's all you just pay month by month, everybody. Pay month by month. When the month is over, free up. Or don't. And then come back later. Hey, do whatever you want. There's a shit ton. You can go back and listen. There, I got like over 650 Patreon episodes. So there's a shit ton out there if you want to listen to it. So is it different than this? Fuck no, it's not different than this. It's the same shit. <laughs> I, I, I don't have time to make it creative. <laughs> I don't have time to make it funnier. <laughs> so uh, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, Patreon.com, search out Elemental Podcast if you care. If you guys can like the Facebook page, like the Twitter page, uh, check out my Macari store, buy all sorts of sports shit from me if you could, that'd be great. And then now go check out these four things if you could. Go, I already mentioned Matt Harper Art, so go check him out on TikTok and Instagram. Matt makes all sorts of art, and currently he's on like a gnome run. He's making all these like clay gnomes, and they're all very super cool. So go check it out on uh, Instagram and TikTok and buy something from him. Uh, if you don't see anything that you like, tell him what you want. I'm sure he can probably do it. Or he'll tell you to fuck off. I don't know. Get a hold of him, though, on Instagram, TikTok, Matt Harper Art. That's Matt with two T's. The extra T is for titties. <laughs> then to go check out Bear Boards and Table. Uh, Mark from Bear Boards and Table gave me a Detroit Lions figurine, which I already mentioned. I gave away uh, yesterday, and I delivered it to the guy today. Super cool. Mark makes a lot of things with wood. Matt's uh, forum seems to be clay. Mark's is wood, and he makes a lot of keychains and knickknacks and cutting boards. And he also can do pretty much whatever you want. I'm sure if there's something that you don't see, you can buy or ask him to make it, and then you can buy it from him. But you can see shit on his Facebook page, which is technically like a friend thing, uh, or Instagram, Bear Boards and Table, or you can check out his Macari store as well, too. So do that as well. Uh, and then stay on Facebook and go check out the Sunday Slaw. That's Adam and Stephanie House. They eat a shit ton of coleslaw. A literal shit ton of coleslaw. So go check them out over there, the Sunday Slaw. Watch all their Facebook Live videos of them eating coleslaw. And have some fun. They don't sell anything. but just So just hit the like button and there you go. And the last but not least, John Midgley. He's got a page for his magic stuff. Go check it out, Magic JBM over there on Facebook. You can see his videos and his uh, drawings that he's doing. It's all very cool shit. So go check him out, Magic JBM on Facebook, The Sunday Slaw on Facebook, Bear Boards and Tables on Facebook and Instagram, and Matt Harper Art on Instagram and TikTok. All right, everybody, that's it. I will see you guys tomorrow. I got to get up at the uh, crack ass at dawn going to schools in the Detroit area. Gross. Uh, so I got to get up super fucking early, but, uh, but thank you guys for listening. I do appreciate it. You guys are tops. I will talk to you guys later. Have a good day. All right. Okay. Bye.